Welcome to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast, where we discuss all things mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. To get more information and resources, visit the website at therapyforblackgirls.com. And while I hope you love listening to and learning from the podcast, it is not meant to be a substitute for a relationship with a licensed mental health professional. Hey, y'all. Thanks so much for joining me for session 17 of the Therapy for Black Girls podcast. So today I am joined by a special therapist in our No Copay Needed segment to talk all about something that we don't talk about nearly enough eating disorders. And yes, black women and girls do struggle with eating disorders as well. So I am joined by Dr. Judy Lee Webb. Dr. Webb is a licensed psychologist in the Atlanta area and the co-owner and co-director of New Directions Counseling Center, a group practice with 13 clinicians. She conducts individual, couples, and family therapy with adolescents and adults, and specializes in treating depression, anxiety, bipolar disorder, eating disorders, body image, weight management, and obesity issues, relationship issues, divorce issues, parent-child interactions, adolescent issues, sexual identity, self-esteem issues, and trauma. As a Jamaican who has lived in America for many years, she is also sensitive to minority, diversity, and cultural issues. Dr. Webb is also the founding president of IAEDP Atlanta Chapter and was the first psychologist in Georgia to become a certified eating disorder specialist. She is also an IAEDP approved supervisor. In the conversation with Dr. Webb, we discuss the symptoms of eating disorders, the misconception about black women not struggling with eating disorders, as well as how you can make sure that you have a healthier relationship to food. So thank you so much for joining me today, Judy Lee. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, so I really was um, excited to have you on the podcast to talk with us about eating disorders. Um, And so, you know, commonly we hear that Black girls don't get eating disorders. Um, So can you give us a little information or any insight you may have about why you think that um, misconception exists? You know, I guess just still the stigma associated out there, not just in terms of eating disorders, but more so in terms of mental health in the Black community. So people oftentimes don't want to talk about it. But I must say this. I don't know if it's because in my practice there are several um, Black psychologists and therapists in our practice, but we don't have a shortage of people of color coming in to therapy in our private practice. But as professionals, we're represented there. So but I still do hear oftentimes my clients saying they haven't told their family that they're in therapy or what have you. So that's still common in our community. And can you give us some background information about maybe like a typical Black woman client who you would see in your practice? Well, I see um, from teenagers on up, but again, I'm in a private practice with 13 providers. So from, we see from children to the elderly. But in my particular practice, um, I do see a lot of women in their, I'd say, late 20s to early 50s, many of them struggling with depression, anxiety, 
a few cases of um, bipolar disorder and body image issues, eating issues, and also, yes, eating disorders. Um, folks coming in for career issues. And then what I seem to get a lot of are single women who are uh, at a place in their life that they wish they were at a different place, such as they wish they were married or had children or what have you. So sometimes um, depression comes along with that, just not feeling fulfilled in their life because it, it's not turning out the way they had hoped. So that's an, another common issue that I tend to see. And, and couples relationship issues as well. Okay. Okay. So specific to the eating concerns, what are some of the things that somebody might recognize in themselves that would um, maybe result in them seeking treatment with you related to eating? Sure. Oftentimes, you know, I, I, a lot of us, and I think I would be lying if I said I never thought about um, the food I'm putting in my body or I never thought about my shape or size or what have you, but it's how often, you know, some folks have become more critical very critical of their their body, their size, their, their the number on the scale or what have you, and maybe obsessing. You know, it's a constant thing. Some people may be weighing themselves every day or comparing themselves to other people, and it's turning into this internal dialogue of, I'm not pretty enough. I'm not good enough. I need to lose weight. If I was better looking, I would blah, blah, you know, fill in the blank or, you know, great things would come to me or what have you. So, um if, when it starts to turn into a lot of this negative dialogue um, and being hard on yourself and critical of yourself, that's one issue that is serious. And then also when it starts, starts to make you have a poor relationship with food, and again, whether it be yo-yo dieting or restricting or um, feeling the need to exercise a lot. I had one client who had four gym memberships. You know, I guess it's easier to go to four different gyms so that people don't see you there all the time, but she felt a need to exercise quite a bit in order to quote unquote get rid of what she had eaten during the day so um, when you start having this negative self-talk and then having a very poor relationship with your food or body then um, you may be having an issue there and I do think um, and something that I've been thinking about as I've been thinking about like waiting to talk to you um, is you know like we are seeing much more of a push in our culture just towards healthier eating and um, veganism and, you know, all of the things that can be healthy, um, but likely if done in extreme can be difficult, right? Correct. Yeah. So, yeah. Can you talk a little bit more about like the balance between like having a healthy relationship with food and like really wanting to be healthy about that versus like eating disordered kind of concerns? You know, I would, you know, I'm not a dietitian, but I do have one in my practice and I would definitely recommend everyone to at least have one visit with a dietitian or a nutritionist and because everybody's body is different and a dietitian can help you figure out what your body truly needs on a daily basis. Again, it's not a one size fits all, but, um, you know, when you, if you're not listening to your body, if you truly, truly respect your body and listen to it your body will tell you what it wants and needs. For example, my body does not like it if I skip breakfast. It just doesn't. (laughs) You know, I have to eat something in the morning and I know I feel better when I eat something that involves protein. If I was to just eat, say, a bowl of cereal or a slice of toast with, you know, butter and jelly on it, it just doesn't feel as good as if I were to have something like an omelet or something that had protein in it. So, I, I, I now listen to my body and say, okay, this is what my body likes for breakfast. 
something, something substantial with protein. If I don't have the protein with it, I just don't, you know, by 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, I'm like, ah, you know, <laughs> my body's talking back to me. So that's, you know, there's something called intuitive eating. And it's really about truly listening to your body and feeding it the way it should be. Because it's been proven that diets don't work. And although there are a lot of these uh, different, you know, like I said, you you mentioned being vegan or vegetarian or paleo diet or what have you, it can get confusing. It could really get confusing. And going to the grocery store could be daunting because you're like, am I supposed to eat that? Again, just even one visit with a dietitian will tell you what your body needs. Because again, the dietitian might order some blood work, some lab work on you. Because if you're deficient in iron or vitamin D, you, you know, you, you need to get that through food. You can't, you know, unless you're going to, I guess, which is not a good idea to pop a bunch of vitamins, but you know, you, it would be best to get it through food. So I would suggest people go and see a, a, a registered dietitian um, who, ha- who has experience in this area. Okay. Mm-hmm. And can you tell us what are the different types of eating disorders? Okay, well, we have um, there's anorexia nervosa, and that's basically typically when folks are restricting what they eat to a point that their weight is lower than their body would like it to be or needs to be, and oftentimes medical issues start to occur with that. Um, a lot of I can go on and on about many different medical issues that can occur with all eating disorders, but. Um, one of the true tell signs, they've kind of taken this away from the diagnosis, but oftentimes uh, women may lose their menstruation cycle um, with anorexia. So that's always a telltale sign that your body is definitely in a place where it's not getting what it needs. Another common one um, that people may have heard of is bulimia nervosa, well, just known or also known as just bulimia. And that's where folks are eating a large amount of food in a, in, a, in a short time, like binging. And then purging means getting rid of, quote unquote, getting rid of the food in some way, shape, or form. And it can, be, it can involve vomiting. It could involve laxative abuse, um, exercise abuse, you know, over-exercising, taking diuretics. So the client is doing something to try to get rid of um, food. Um, a new one that they've added to the diagnostic manual this past year is binge eating disorder. So I'm very glad that they've added that because we've been seeing it for a long, long time, but it wasn't an actual diagnosis until recently. But that involves binge eating. And again, eating a large amount of food in a short amount of time and feeling very uncontrolled, like, like you're out of control. Um, there are a few others. Another one that's um, it's a new one is called um, avoidant and food restrictant. So, so oftentimes people are, have a fear of food or avoid certain foods and it has caused them to have a disorder or their body again isn't getting what it needs. I had one client actually avoiding, this is more kind of an obsessive issue, obsessive compulsive disorder, but avoiding green foods or they may avoid foods that they consider fattening or sweets. So, um, or just really having a fear of the food. So they become very anxious if they are needing to eat that particular food. 
Okay. So those are the main ones. Yeah, the main ones that mm-hmm. you will yeah. typically mm-hmm. see. Mm-hmm. And and what about um and I know this isn't necessarily a diagnosis, but you definitely do hear a lot about emotional eating. So can you explain what that is? Sure. Yes. Um and because it may not involve the binge eating. So that's why it's you know it's not included in the binge eating diagnosis. But emotional eating is when your emotions are driving your um your eating patterns. And it could be uh, positive emotions such as uh, getting a new job or, or you know, or um, getting a promotion at work or what have you, or it could oftentimes though, it's negative emotions, whether it be sadness. An- another common one is loneliness, feeling lonely, um, or even feeling tired, frustrated, irritable, what have you. But you know, off- they, there's sometimes a disconnect between the emotion and what the person's doing. So some folks are not even aware of it. That, oh my gosh, did I eat all of those donuts last night? Ugh. You know, and it's what drove them to eat the donuts is they had a bad day that day or what have you. So emotional eating versus, again, if you aren't emotional eating, then you may be what you call what we call intuitive eating. Again, that's listening to your body and giving your body what it needs because your body will tell you when you're full and your body will tell you when you're hungry or and your body will tell you when you're satisfied because it's good to be satisfied sometimes. It's not good to be stuffed or too full, you know, like the Thanksgiving day full, <laughs> you know, <laughs> we're not supposed to be at Thanksgiving dinner every day of the year, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, your eating pattern is dictated by your emotions and oftentimes it's a negative emotion. Okay. And is there anything, I mean, you mentioned Thanksgiving, which is always such an interesting discussion, right? Um, Is there anything about like the relationship that culture has with food that makes it either difficult to diagnose an eating disorder or to treat an eating disorder? I don't know if culture makes it difficult to diagnose because um, there's no uh, cultural descriptor in the the diagnosis, you know, Mm -hmm. but it definitely makes it hard to treat. I mean, I have had, what's, what was an interesting client is um, an Indian client and, you know, the, the types of food and also the celebrations or even things like fasting for religious reasons, mm-hmm. you know, so, you know, it's, we have to really take into consideration their culture um, and the types of food that may be eaten on a regular basis. So um, I'm from Jamaica and, you know, we have rice and peas a lot, <laughs> you know, or, and so, you know, I remember just, it was more so half of my plate had rice and peas on it versus one fourth of the plate. You know, you would just eat a lot of rice. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yes, you do need to take culture into consideration because just the way someone grows up or the types of food that's cooked in the home and how often, and, you know, it's, it's it does need to be taken into consideration. It can't be ignored, you know. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so what does treatment look like? And I know, of course, this is varied um, across, you know, the diagnosis and the person. But what would treatment look like, um, for example, like for binge eating disorder? Like what might some things um, that you would do with the client in your office? Well, for me, I use quite a bit of uh, cognitive behavioral therapy. And that's basically um, getting an understanding of how the person thinks, like an easy way to describe it, a layman's terms way of describing it is like glass half empty or glass half full, you know, pessimist, optimist, what have you. So we're trying to figure out what the client's negative thinking, you know, just what that typically looks like. Um, 
to, like I said, glass half empty and giving the client tools of ways to have alternative ways of thinking, a healthier perspective. You know, oftentimes, say somebody was um, fired from their job. Of course, it's going to be very normal for them to to have some negative thoughts like, oh no, how am I going to pay my mortgage? Or when will I get another job? Or I'm not good enough because why they fired me or what have you. But having a person change their, change their thoughts about, you know, I will get another job. I need, I will use my resources or what have you. And the same thing with emotional eating um, or binge eating, pardon me. But it's sort of like, um, well, if I eat all of this ice cream today, I promise I'll be good tomorrow, you know? Mm. And so it's getting folks to change the way they, they are thinking and saying, no, I can have some of this ice cream today and some tomorrow. <laughs> That's another way of thinking of it. So it's, it's changing very rational or negative thoughts into more functional and rational thoughts. And then the behavior side of, of cognitive behavior therapy is, um, engaging in healthier behaviors than in this case, binge eating. So what are some things that can um, replace or, or a healthy distraction? You know, for me, I can sit here and watch episode after episode after episode of things on HGTV, <laughs> you know, so maybe I need to turn the TV on to HGTV tonight instead of not having the TV on or just, you know, being all in my head and keep going back to the, to the kitchen. So behavior th or other things, healthy ways to soothe myself. Cause sometimes, you know, eating disorder is connected to somebody trying to soothe their emotions. And, you know, oftentimes I like to, um, take a, a warm bath or sit out on my back veranda with a cup of tea and just a book or catch up on these magazines that I haven't caught up on lately. <laughs> you know, that, that, that is calming and soothing to me. So, helping the client create a, a different uh, tools that they can put in their toolbox instead of poor behavior with food. So, and I pull from other diagnose, uh, other techniques and treatments as well, but that's the main one. Okay. And as you were talking, I'm thinking about like all the different ways that like having um, disordered eating might impact them in different ways. So um, I can imagine that if you struggle in your relationship with food, like it may be really difficult to date because you're maybe focused on, okay, what am I going to order when I go out with this person and not really being in touch with what's happening on the actual date? Correct. And that's what I mentioned. It's like, if you're being, if you're in your head too much, if you're starting to really obsess about food or obsess about your weight or your size or your shape, then that's really an issue because like you mentioned, yes, you should be engaged more in the conversation or getting to know the person or what have you, not about what's on the menu and, or what you're going to um, eat or how much you ate. So yeah, you're kind of, again, there's a disconnect from the date because you're in your head too much about the food. Yeah. Yeah. And can you maybe talk a little bit about other areas where you see um, the disordered eating like popping up um, and making other other areas in their life difficult? Other areas? What do you mean? I'm sorry. Um, you know, like in relationships, so like in dating or maybe um, in relationships with the family or friends, like what other struggles might they have in those areas? I think it's in every area. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I know of folks who, because of their job stress, that is sometimes a quote unquote trigger 
to maybe like, again, a bad day at work or stressed out at work or didn't get a promotion or what have you. Um, definitely relationships, um, you know, relationships can be difficult at times. And that's what that's, that comes up a lot in therapy. Um, family dynamics, um, you'll be surprised. Well, maybe not anymore, but I remember being very surprised at just the, um, negative body image talk that's even amongst family members, including in the black family, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, some people say, Oh, you're, you look so fat or you gained weight or, you know, or you, you know, you're not as even skin color. I mean, we can, you know, we can go from hair texture, skin color, what have you. Mm -hmm. But since we're focusing on eating disorders say I'll just stick to that. But it's like, (laughs) you know, um, people, family members making fun of people or telling folks they're not pretty enough or they don't, they're not as thin as their sister or something like that. That happens within the family dynamics. Um, definitely, I've seen things happen in athletics. You know, oftentimes my clients um, are athletes and they are, that's something that makes them lose weight, especially the sports such as cross country or swimming um, dance, any kind of, um, dance or gymnastics, other sports as well, soccer, lacrosse, anything, you know, tennis, but, you know, definitely the sports where your body, your shape and your size are, um, a priority, you know, so, um, it comes up in sports as well. Um, peer relationships, friendships, um, especially comparing yourself to others, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not as pretty as my best friend is or what have you. I'm not as thin as so-and-so. Um, so that, that happens. And, you know, even, uh, even amongst, you know, I believe we're both in our forties and, you know, you can sit around and you, you'll be, you, if you really listen, we're also critical of ourselves in our peer relationships. You know, like, oh, I need to, I need to lose weight. Or even like somebody just had a baby. Oh, I need to take this baby weight off like ASAP. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't know. I just saw something online last night where the positive and negative feedback about Beyonce's um, post baby picture where she's holding her twins. Mm -hmm. And, you know, some folks are positive, uh, have some positive feedback. And then some folks are negative because she's there like, really one month after having twins and you look like that, you're making me feel bad, you know? So again, folks who may have be self-critical are then internalizing that picture and saying, well, obviously I'm not good enough if I can't take my baby weight off in a year and she has had twins in a month and she looks like that, Mm -hmm. you know? Right. So yeah. 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 And I would imagine that much of your work, um, given that you work with such a range of ages, much of your work um, may be related to like social media, like how people, it's so much easier to compare yourself like on Instagram pictures and things like that. 100%. Thank you for reminding me of that, Joy. <laughs> yeah. Want, I mean, I tell you, I, think, I feel like my business has increased or the issues in, in, in topics of conversation in session has really been around social media. Mm. I mean, the, the, compar- the comparison factor. You know, I, I tell folks the only person that you should compare yourself to, if, if anybody, is an identical twin raised in the same family. <laughs> That's it. Mm-hmm. You're, you're not like anyone else except for your identical twin. And I have to add, raised in the same family. Right. If you're not raised in the same family, there could be environmental factors that make 
twins different. Mm -hmm. But other than that, I tell you, the social media thing, whew, Lord, yes, <laughs> yes. So uh -huh. have you had to develop like any kinds of interventions particular oh, to? Oh, yes. Yeah. Tell, can you tell me more about that? Instead of restricting on food, you need to restrict on the social media. Mm -hmm. I mean, seriously. Uh -huh. um, you know, I've, yes, definitely interventions on either like significantly cutting down on the amount of social media that folks engage in on a daily basis and helping them with that the cognitive behavioral stuff that goes on with it you know like okay what are some different ways that you can think about say that Beyonce picture you know it's not you one Beyonce is never going to put out a crazy looking picture <laughs> right <laughs> you know there's photography there's lighting I don't, you know I don't know if there's you know Photoshop or what have you, but mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot of factors that go into that picture, you mm -hmm. know? So having the person stop and think about what they're reading or seeing in the media, so whether it be social media or magazines or television, what have you, and really stopping and thinking about all the different ways to view that, that person or that issue instead of just one way of they look better than me. I mean, I'm going to talk about the Kardashians for a second. Okay. <laughs> you know, <laughs> one thing I do like about the Kardashians, I do love them and I will admit I do watch it. Mm -hmm. um, I love that they're, they don't mind coming out without makeup. You mm -hmm. know, they don't mind showing that they're going to all these plastic surgery or laser treatment thing, you know, wraps or laser or what have you, you know, that their body is not 100% natural mm -hmm. or even the quote unquote diets that they're on, you know, or how much they're focusing on exercise and things like that. So in order for Kim or Chloe or Courtney, you know, to look like that, they are showing truly what they go through. And then think about their brother, Rob, mm -hmm. like, you know, they're truly showing what Rob has gone through in terms of his weight gain and dun, 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 his depression. <laughs> you know, I love the fact that, that they're being open with his depression. Mm -hmm. Okay. So they have to, and I don't know if I don't know these people, you know, in, you know, personally, right. but I hope that they are treating the underlying issue, which is the depression, mm -hmm. not just, Hey, go to the gym and eat this. No. You got to treat the depression. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And do you think that that is often missed? Like, do you think that sometimes we get so focused on, you know, like trying to get our body in shape or whatever that we miss an underlying like depression or anxiety or something else? Oh, yes, absolutely. You know, again, because I, it, I, before and maybe before I got my PhD, I don't think I knew any much about depression or anxiety or the symptoms or what have you, or even I didn't think about family genetics and what my aunt may have had or my grand, you know, like I didn't think about that kind of stuff. And now when I look back, I say, Oh, you know what? That was depression. Oh, you know what? That person, that, that cousin has panic attacks. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I, I didn't stop to think about this before I came, became a psychologist, you know? So I think it can be very easily missed that, Oh my gosh, these are the symptoms of blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned um, like some of the negative self-talk that someone may have, but do you have ideas about um, how we can begin to change our own conversations with each other around 
um, like body image kinds of stuff. Like you mentioned, like, okay, when you, I know for me, um, like when you come home from college and people are saying like, oh, you really did put on that freshman 15 or, you know, like all of these conversations that you get when you go home with family or just in friend circles, you have ideas about, um, like how we can change some of those conversations and ideas about, you know, things we can do to be gentler with each other around those issues? Sure. I mean, we really do need to empower each other, lift each other up. Um, you know, and I've told, I've taught my clients how to be assertive with that person who says, oh, you certainly gained the freshman 15. And what you can say back to that person in an assertive manner, not aggressive, you know, not cussing out the person, <laughs> but you know, what you could say back to that person to sort of let that person know that it's okay. And I'm not going to focus on my body, you know, and even say, say something around the lines that, you know, it really sucks that that's what you're focusing on, you know, is my body. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, definitely t- t- teaching assertiveness skills, empowering my clients, or just telling folks in general to be kind to each other. You know, oftentimes there may be an underlying issue there. So it's not just about, oh, they ate too much and gained 15 pounds, which it might be that. But, you know, stress, I mean, homesickness, being away from home, you know, adjusting to a new environment. I mean, take all of that stuff into consideration or just eating different foods. You're not, you know, eating cafeteria foods all the time or or stuff. I know I have a college student that his dinner oftentimes comes out of the vending machine Mm -hmm. because the cafeteria is already closed. Yeah. You know, and. The, it, and they stay up until 2, 3 a.m. studying. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they go to the vending machine 9, 10, 11, 12 o'clock at night and get, quote, unquote, dinner, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and so, you know, just really being compassionate and kind and knowing that it's, it's you, you could really be pushing buttons. And I'm not saying that there's, that this could, quote, quote cause an eating disorder, but being made fun of is oftentimes something that my clients say kind of sent them over the top, you know, Mm -hmm. over the edge, Mm -hmm. you know, being made fun of by family members or friends or a boyfriend, girlfriend, what have you. So, yeah. So what um, are some tips maybe that you have for our listeners who be, who may be struggling with some challenges? What tips would you have for them? You know, be honest with yourself, you know, really think about, how much time each day do I spend focusing on how my body looks or the scale? How often do I weigh myself? Um, Do I typically have a lot of negative talk around my body and food? Um, Also in terms of the relationship with food, do I truly have a healthy relationship with food? Do I have a all or nothing way of thinking about food um, or diet mentality with food. And, you know, if you have any of these things, you can check in again, check in with a therapist who specializes in treating eating disorders and see, is this something that really should be, that is a concern. And the sooner you do this, the better. Mm. (laughs) It's better to kind of, you know, address this sooner rather than later. You don't want to address it when it's time to go to an inpatient treatment program. That's okay. not the time to you know, come in first when you realize, you know what, I, I really don't have the best relationship with my body or food. I got to mm-hmm. be honest. 
And any particular resources that you really like, um, you know, to kind of either offer to your clients or like a beginner's ideas about like eating disorders? Yeah, um, actually, um, there is a book out that the only book I've come across, and I've actually spoken to this author, there is a book called Not All Black Girls Know How to Eat. Again, yes, Not All Black Girls Know How to Eat. It's written by Stephanie Covington Armstrong against Stephanie Puffington Armstrong. And she is a woman, she lives in, in California, and she has written this book and been very open, very, very vulnerable and transparent about her, her um, bulimia. Okay. So I am, I'm very happy that Stephanie has written this book and, and she also does public appearances, speaking engagements as well. But honestly, that's the only book that's written by a black woman or, or a black person mm-hmm. about their eating disorder. Okay. Um, you know, I, I even searched podcasts and mm-hmm. I found only one podcast, but guess what? It's no mm-hmm. longer available. Mm-hmm. I think somebody um, had one from 2015, but it's no longer available. Okay. But in terms of just general information, um, I would recommend a website called NEDA, N-E-D-A. And the website is National eatingdisorders.org again nationaleatingdisorders.org and I am the founding president of the Atlanta chapter for the International Association of Eating Disorders Professionals and the website for that chapter for those in in the Atlanta area is atlantaidep.com again atlantaidep.com and the 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 main foundation, the IDEP foundation is, for folks who are outside of Georgia, is I-A-E-D as in dog, P as in Paul, dot com. And if you go to these websites, um, you can find uh, therapists, dietitians, physicians, psychiatrists, all treatment professionals who are truly eating disorder professionals. I strongly discourage people going to someone who does not specialize in treating eating disorders. It'll be a waste of your time and money because this is a very, it's, it, it's a specialty area. Like I don't specialize in ADHD. Mm-hmm. You'll be wasting your money and time if you come to me to address your ADHD issues. I just, you know, yeah. so make sure that, you know, you, the person is, 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 does specialize. Another one, another organization that's here in the Atlanta area is Eden, and the website is myeden.org, and that's M-Y-E-D as in dog, I-N as in Nancy, dot org. And Eden is a wonderful organization that does a lot of um, community outreach around eating disorders, and, um, you know, I volunteer with that organization as well. So... Yeah, those are the main ones I would recommend. But actually, you know, there's a there's a resource called GERS Magazine, and the website is G U R Z as in zebra E books.com. So that's GERSbooks.com. And you can subscribe free to get the uh, resource guide. What I love about this resource guide, it lists all the types of books or videos. Um, manuals, what have you, and it will separate them into different areas such as anorexia, bulimia, binge eating, books for professionals, 
books for parents or loved ones, you know, things like that. So um, folks may want to visit that website as well. Any other resources? I can give them my website. <laughs> yeah, well, I was going to ask you okay. next. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, yeah. The name of my practice is New Directions Counseling Center, and the website is newdirectionsatlanta.com. Again, that's New Directions, with an S at the end, atlanta.com. And we do have some resources. There's an area on our website that you can click on for, for resources. Um, and then you can also see a list of all of our providers. And I am a certified eating disorder specialist. So um, I became certified a few, I was the first psychologist actually in Atlanta to be certified. So, um, and then we also have a dietitian, JC Pitts is a registered dietitian who treats eating disorders or all eating issues. She's also does pediatric nutrition as well. So she's in our office and we're lucky to have her because then we can see two people in the same location. Right. <laughs> you know, right. so yeah. Okay, mm -hmm. perfect. Well, all of the resources that you mentioned definitely will be included in the show notes. So you can definitely look at the show notes for all of the websites that Judy Lee mentioned. And are there any um, social media handles or anything that you would like to add? Girl, no. I'm bad with that. <laughs> I mean, I'll be honest. Okay. I mean, New, okay. our, New Directions Housing Center does have a Facebook page, but I, I don't know when the last time anything okay. has been updated on that. Okay, <laughs> or, so we will Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, yeah. so just your website. <laughs> yes. Okay, okay. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for chatting with us today, Judy Lee. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you again. So Dr. Webb definitely shared a wealth of information with us, and I do hope that you will check out the resources that she shared. Make sure to find all of that in the show notes at therapyforblackgirls.com slash session 17. If you're interested in continuing the conversation with other women who are fans of the show, make sure to join us over in the Facebook group. You can find that at therapyforblackgirls.com backslash tribe. And make sure to add, let us know what you're thinking on social media. Use the hashtag TBG in session. You can find us on Twitter at therapy for the number four B girls. And you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at therapy for black girls. And if you have heard anything in this session or in the previous session that you'd like to work through with a therapist, make sure to check out our therapist directory at therapyforblackgirls.com backslash directory. I'm looking forward to continuing this conversation with you all real soon. Take good care. <laughs>